You're listening to a Church Doctor production. You're listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast with John Hunter. Conversations and tips for churches to engage in outreach communities to reach new people for God in your neighborhood. Welcome to the Big Church, Small Church podcast. We've got an exciting series coming up for you where we're going to look at um, four topics about how to be a backyard missionary for Christ. Yep, that missionaries aren't just sent abroad um, to other countries, but you can be a missionary right there in your neighborhood. And for this very first episode, we are going to talk about the incarnation of Jesus, why Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And, you know, we hope that you really love these podcasts. We hope that they help you. Um, We really want to Uh, this to be a kingdom thing. We want you to reach new people in your town and in your city for Jesus. And if you hear anything from the podcast that really helps you, we would ask you to spread the love. We want you to just share it and like it on your social media or wherever you uh, consume this content. Um, It would be really helpful for us if you would share it with others. It spreads the most by word of mouth. So yeah, if you could do us for that, that would be an awesome favor. Also, make sure you go to the sendmovement.com to download your show notes today. Well, let's get kicked off. On the phone, I've got one of my best friends, Andy Bacon. Hey, Andy. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you back. Thanks, man. It's great to be with you. So, yeah, Andy is just an, an amazing friend from England. Uh, he was over there. Uh, we were housemates uh, while we lived we lived there. We lived there for what together for one or two years. Two years, wasn't it? I think. Andy was my personal tour guide around Sheffield and England, and taught me how to sip tea, and taught me what cheeky monkey meant. And so, you doing well, man? Yeah, man, doing well. Um, it's been not so sunny in South Carolina. The last time you rang me, it was really warm down here. Today, it's actually pretty overcast and a little cooler, which is actually quite nice. You know, but we love to talk about the weather, so it's funny that the first thing you I answer is about the weather. Oh, oh British people love talking about the weather. This week, we are going to talk about how Jesus moved into the neighborhood, right? So Jesus doesn't, God doesn't stay in heaven. He comes to earth. He comes and dwells among us. Um, that's kind of what another version says. But the message, I love what the message says. It says, Jesus came and moved into the neighborhood. And so following, I think, in a missional lifestyle, in the same way, I think, you know, Jesus calls us to move into the neighborhood. And yeah, so Andy, you did something called an Eden Project. That's part of what the message does, the message trust. And you can actually do an Eden Project. They're set up here in America. You can actually do an Eden if you want to do. I've got a friend who's connected with the message trust and you can actually do an Eden project. So before we get too far, like just tell us a little bit about, cause their whole thing is about Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Tell us a little bit about um, like what your Eden, what Eden does and tell me just kind of like, what is, what does this kind of verse mean to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess, I guess firstly, I love like the message version of this um, passage. It's really awesome. Like, I love how it talks about God and Jesus moving into the neighborhood and, um, and uh, I love the second part of it. It says about where we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one kind of glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, tree from start to finish. To me, it just speaks about how God draws close to us, that he desires a relationship and union with us. 
that instead instead of staying far off in his home in heaven, he chose to leave that paradise and chose to become one of us, um, one who existed for eternity, um, like the one who is the Word, made his home in the very creation that he helped bring into existence by becoming one of us. So for me, it speaks of a God who is willing to take a risk on those he loves, is willing to... Um, not shrink back or hide, but one who shows up again and again, makes himself available. Um, and Eden, yeah, Eden is an amazing um, ministry. Um, one of the things that I love that I was reading, I was sort of refreshing myself, you know, when I knew coming up to do the podcast with you, John, and one of the things that I love that it says on my website, it says that the place is in greatest need of tran- the transforming power of Jesus. But unfortunately, the place is where the church is often most in decline. Um, which is really sad and interesting. And so the, the, this was in the UK context. Now, in, with that uh, obvious, obvious missing of the church in those particular areas where often the church is needed the most, the, the message trust started to send and support teams of missionaries like who, lived in, who would move into those areas to live in a sacrificial way and to share the good news and to, be, to build authentic community in those areas. And so... For me, I guess that, that passage, it just speaks of how God is so willing to get his hands dirty, so willing to get involved, and um, he's not some far-off, disconnected God, but he's one who comes down and gets his hands dirty, gets involved, and that's, I guess he's the model for us, Jesus, isn't he? Like, we're to follow after him, and so I love that Eden really embodied that, and, and, and his desire is to kind of follow that. That's cool. Um, I was like, I was researching about this topic before I called you, uh, or you know, before we arranged for an interview, and I was like, you know, I just needed to to call you because you have lived it, you've done it, you signed up for five years for this. And uh, while I was doing my research, um, I actually uh, I read a book by a guy named Michael Frost. Um, I don't, you know, and and he's a guy who studies mission, and he kind of has this like eye on America, like. Um, like how you live in one place, like how you play in another, you worship in another completely different neighborhood, and then you drive your gas-filled SUVs to get to your church. Like you have all of these different pockets, like, but you're not present in like one area. And I I see so many churches like do this, like they move out of their neighborhood where they're actually reaching people to like, you know, to to uh to suburban america where like they can build a larger church and you know and then they end up they're not reaching any of those people anymore and so often like this is this is like the model of like how they do church and we miss like the actual like being in the neighborhood with people you know and you know he's somebody that encourages like Go and walk around your neighborhood, drive around it, go and spend different time, join in community activities, like be present with your neighbors. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, it's so easy to be disconnected in a, in a society that is so driven and so busy, so many, you know, able to fill your life with so much stuff uh, and things that, that it, it can so feel like that rather than seeing that God is involved, it can actually make God seem more distant and disconnected because we only connect with him in these certain contexts that are the kind of, you know, the, the peripheral or certain just kind of parts of our lives rather than the holistic kind of, you know, the discipleship, the whole part of our lives, you know, recognizing that God is involved in all of it. Um, 
No, that's yeah, absolutely. And for you, Andy, so you were part of this Eden project, right? So tell me, what did it look like? You were in, you're in Sheffield, um, you know, a city of about 700, 800,000, something like that. And so tell me, like, what was it for you to do an Eden project? What did it look like? Um, what did you guys do? And yeah, what did it mean to go and live out Jesus in the neighborhood? The Eden team. So we, we were planted, I think it was like 2011, when the Eden team actually started. And so Eden was a partner with St. Thomas Crooks, um, which is the church that both me and you were part of. We did the discipleship course there. Um, one of the most uh, poorest areas of Sheffield was a place called Furvale. It also happened to be the place where the hospital where I was working was uh, in that area too. Really diverse area. People from multiple different countries and backgrounds. Um, and just a very, not a very large area. We were actually very quite a focused community. I think initially when, when we got to the number of people, we ended up having about 12 different people, part of the team. Um, and primarily Eden works through youth and youth work. So a lot of things that um, that um, I did and we did was part of um, building connections with the youth in the area. And, you know, one of the cool things about that was, like, the youth and the children, they don't have the same, in addition, they don't necessarily have the same bias that um, are, that we build as we get older and older. And some of maybe their parents had. And so what was really beautiful and really cool about that is, like, particularly when we're doing, like, soccer or football, as we call it in England, we would um, see all these different people from different backgrounds just getting on with one another, um, which wasn't reflective of the whole community. Because actually, in, in practice, unfortunately, in some of the um, areas where we worked and lived, there was a lot of discontent between some of the different cultures. And what the amazing thing was, <coughs> over time, we actually, I think, helped to build like community cohesion. People were able to, you know, actually connect better with people from outside of their normal group, um, which I think, like, Eden was just really cool for them. So we were just about loving our neighbours and sharing the good news of Jesus and celebrating everything that was great about our community. Um, and then the primary primary route was through getting to know the people in our area and showing them the love of God and sharing our faith with them. And one of the key ways that I did that was, like I said, through helping with um, the soccer team, um, but also was what something called detached youth work, which is where a group of us would go out, we would prayer walk and walk around the streets in which we live, and as that happened, we would also be praying for opportunities to either pray for other people as we met them, um, and also we would often come across conflicts where we'd often end up getting in the centre of where hopefully we could help de-escalate some of those um, challenging situations. But we did lots of activities and events. Um, we were, you know, I got to know my next door neighbour pretty well. There was a guy in his 80s. He was, a, he was actually, interestingly, in that community, the British people were actually a minority, which is interesting. Um, but the guy who was next to me had lived in the neighbourhood for, like, a really long time, and he knew the area really well. He was a lovely guy. I got to know him and his wife. And, um, so it was just about getting to know people and also sharing time and space and having meals and just building those relationships. One of the things that I was going to talk about, one of the verses that I think really ties in 
amazingly well to the the um, the John one fourteen verse, the verse in Philippians where it talks about having the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. That though he was in the same form of God, he didn't regard equality with God as something to be. And in the my Bible, that but it says to be exploited. But instead, he emptied himself and took on the form of a slave. And I think, like for me. What, what I've learned from that and what I've been learning over my, I guess, life so far with my relationship with God is that any encounter or any experience of the love of God should always lead to some sort of mission or movement outward. That there's always a practical implication, um, but it's always rooted in relationship with each other and with the Father, like Jesus said, didn't he? He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so um, one of the things in the pictures is, like, amazing is that God's kingdom and that God's family is an ever-increasing circle. And I love the verse in Isaiah where it talks about um, that, um, that it, to the increase of his government, there will be no end. That we have to grow in our personal walk with Jesus and we have to experience that love of God that will then, will be compelled then to take that outwards. And I think one thing that I realized was that Unlike Jesus, who didn't exploit his relationship with God, well, obviously he was part of the Godhead, but he didn't abuse it or kind of misuse that or take advantage of it. I think often the church often gets really comfortable because we we've got this amazing relationship with God, right? In in our safe in our safe places. So in some ways we exploit the relationship, and it doesn't lead full circle to where we go out and share what we've experienced around us. So it's telling that when on that Eden website where it says that the the areas where you know they're in most need of the transforming power of Jesus, that the church is most strongly in decline. And I think that talks about um, comfort, and it talks about us being risk averse. You know, we're often we're often um, reluctant to step outside of our comfort zones. Um, Absolutely. So, but that's where the growth of discipleship is. The, the, when you step outside yeah. your comfort zone, it's when you, 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 you have to rely on Jesus because you don't can't do it in your own power. Absolutely. I remember one thing that Nick, our church leader, you would often say, something in the lines of, as you go, you'll be healed. As you serve, um, you know, as you step out. Because sometimes... And I definitely got stuck in this. It, it was time to stop. When Andy Hawthorne came to Sheffield and the worship of them happened there, and in the worship I really sensed the Holy Spirit said to me, go join the Eden team. It was a time for me to stop focusing on my needs, my sins, my brokenness. You know, our cultures are so individualistic that, that not only does that translate to our life outside the church, but it's also it's evident in the church as well. We're so individual in our it's our personal walk with Jesus, but the problem is, if we get stuck in that place, always about us, we, we don't see the bigger mission. Um, Jesus never said that we would always be comfortable, but he did say that he would comfort the afflicted and he would bless the poor in spirit. And so, like, when we step out, it's like when we step out. So, for me, Eden wasn't at all comfortable. I think I remember coming over to you like you were someone who I could always reach out to there are certain people at St. Thomas who I could always reach out to. Yeah, absolutely. You know that it was not always easy. It was actually really uncomfortable at times. Oh, I yeah, I I think I remember you thinking like, what did I get myself into? Can I actually yeah. do this several times, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then it was within that context 
that I encountered the comfort of the Spirit more because I needed to be comforted. And for me then, sometimes where I'd been, spent so much time actually became a place of like retreat and rest when I was tired or afraid or being irrational or overwhelmed by life stuff. I knew that I had this place of relationship and encounter. So that's that's the thing, like it's not both and it's it is. It is both and you need both the community of a strong community of faith that can empower you to live out this relationship with mm. God. Otherwise you've got nothing to give. But then at the same time you can't just have this intimate, amazing relationship with God and grow. You you reach a point and I think this is a massive telling thing for the church in general. I think often our communities and our individual relationships with God often stagnate and we get a little maybe bored or we get a little bit tired and maybe even people start to lose faith because we've never took the our faith full circle. We've, we've, we've experienced this amazing community but we've not let it trickle out into the community around us. Now, um, I think that our communities of faith should be places of encounter and growing practice and experience of walking with God. Um so that we can obviously live that out. But because it was messy and challenging, you know, you need those places. I was thinking about this and um, something that, uh, you know, when I was researching, it was like um, a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt. I think I hope I pronounced his name. He talks about mission. And often in America, we talk about mission is like over there. And he says that like mission is actually here. And, you know, taking this whole style of, you know, Jesus moved in the neighborhood. Um, mission, the, the word mission actually means to be sent, but once you're sent, it actually, for effective mission, it means stay and it means stay among them and die, die to yourself and, you know, die to our own wants, die to our own needs. You know, obviously that Jesus actually died, you know, for our sins, but you know, if there's something about like, you know, we get into this thing that we can, we think that we can go and make a, an impact in, you know, another country by going, sp- spending a week there. And we say that that that's that's our mission. That's our mission. And and actually, you know, I think effective mission is is what you talked about. It's giving like you know a five year commitment minimum and being like, hey, we're here. We're gonna build relationships. We want to get to know you, and we're gonna love you. Um, you know, I mean, Jesus what was spent thirty years before he really got into his ministry, right? Like he came and he goes unnoted. He goes like Alan Hirsch talks about how he goes unnoticed for most of that time until he really, you know, comes out of the wilderness and, um, you know, full of the Holy spirit and starts his ministry that he lived amongst the people. He was one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's so cool. What you're saying about obviously like being sent. And I think like the church is a sent people, aren't we? We're there. We're comforted so that we can comfort others. We're healed so that we can heal others. And, when we don't extend the grace and love that we've experienced within our own community to those around us, those away and those different from us, those places that maybe we don't really want to go and, and stay, like you said, and, and really get our hands dirty, um, I think that's when we start to stagnate in our discipleship. Mm. But, but God shows that there's always more with him, like, because he, and I love it, like, in the verse, because that he's generous inside and out from start to finish like Father, like Son. Hmm. And we are to be who we are, which is the body of Christ in the world. So that means, like, living collectively in the way that he did. Um, and so, like, yeah, that means stepping outside of our comfort zones, and it means talking to people and engaging with people who are different than ourselves. And, like, it's not always comfortable, but it's not meant to be. And I think, 
you know, it has to be done in that context of a relationship. And I would always encourage anyone who wants to, like, step out and be part of this and even being to be to ensure that they're rooted in a local and strong body of believers because without that connection you you can't do it. It's it's impossible. It has to be rooted in, in strong like Christian communities. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So people listening today, like what are like what are some top tips that like they can go and be Jesus in their neighborhood. Like what, what were, what are some of the things like that you would recommend where, where that are, um, that they can contextualize anything to their, their context. What are some of the things that you think that help build your relationships where you can show people Jesus where, um, yeah, you can go and live amongst and, um, you know, start some mission. Yeah. Well, so I would say just start for people to start looking around you know, looking around there in their relationships and in their community. And, you know, Jesus often went to the most hardest situation, to the, to the poor, to those who were really hurt. And so we look in your community, looking around you and the neighborhoods around you where it looks like it's not somewhere necessarily that's very attractive, it's not necessarily, you know, something that really, what's the word? It's those places that need need the love of God that we've avoided. The places that are uncomfortable, you know, that God wants us to engage with those people who are different from ourselves. Who are the people that rub you up the wrong way? Like, not necessarily, but just from being themselves. You know, that's challenging for us to say, well, okay, these people need the love of God. And if, if we experience the love of God and then keep it to ourselves, the love that we experience is going to be not the full expression of what God wants to show us. And so as we step out into those places of challenge, you know, whether that be, you know, it doesn't have to be something big. Like for some people, it will mean joining something like Eden, moving into a neighborhood that, or moving to a place that is very different from what you've done before, but it's something that you have a clear call from God to go with what you've been given and to live out that life of a relationship with God in that context. But for other people, it might just be a simply means starting meeting with someone who is outside of their normal group. You know, you know whether that be um, a lonely person you see in the coffee shop or just the people you work with, people who are different from you at work. You know, as we build those connections, that, that's extending the kingdom of God. God's kingdom isn't going to get smaller. It isn't. The Bible is pretty clear that God's kingdom and his government and his extension of his kingdom is, is expanding all the time. And that's such a hopeful, I'm getting quite emotional, that is such a hopeful vision. And whenever we step into those discomforting places, we can have the knowledge that God is going to transform these desolate places, these wastelands that exist within our communities, that he's with us as we step into those places, that we can have the knowledge that his kingdom is getting bigger all the time. We might not even see it, but as we're faithful in the small things, as we're faithful in our relationship, we'll break it. And that's when amazing things start to happen. But it, and, and what I'd say was it's okay that it's not all perfect. You know, a lot of time in our Christian circles, we've often made it that everything has to look okay. Everything has to look kind of put together and perfect, but that's just not the picture of what God gives us. It's, 
Jesus showed that he, I mean, he was born into a dirty stable, probably. You know, a really un- uncomfortable, as a little kid, he started out really incarnationally. He went to the lowest places, and he's not afraid to get dirty. He's not afraid of our mess. You mentioned that a couple times. You know, if you want to, if you want to build a garden, like if you want to plant and, and grow a garden, you go to the dirtiest soil. Dirty people make good, good soil. And who did who responded to the message of Jesus? It was the sinners, the Gentiles, the tax collectors. The Pharisees didn't get it. The Pharisees missed out. And, you know, the religious leaders missed out. They didn't get it. Like Jesus, and they were they were mad. They were upset. And, yeah, Jesus goes and the people who are receptive. And that's, that's what's out there. Like you go amongst the, the people who absolutely are – um, you know, that, that, that have sin in their lives and they're desperate to know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would encourage people to just, whatever their comfort zone is, just to start stepping out of that a little bit. Yeah. You know, particularly if you know you're an individual, it really does it. You know, on a personal level, the love of God, and you've experienced it in a tangible way. You're in, you're in the perfect position to step out of your comfort zone because he'll not abandon you when you step out into those places. He'll be totally with you. Mm. And it's an amazing adventure. You know, you'll get to really be involved in God's mission in the places that you never thought were possible, really. Um, and, and the biggest thing I'd say is, you know, the biggest thing about Eden, really, is it's a team effort. And you can't, Whatever mission you're doing, you know, you're always going to need the support of those around you to be to be effective, really, because not, we all have blind spots. We all, um, and that was the beauty of Eden. You know, I think about the different personalities that we had. Our, our leader was a guy called Ben, a very organized, a very strategic and well-thought-through guy, very clear-headed, um, who, was a, who was actually... A very and a very very task oriented leader. He, he did a great job. You know, we did a lot of things that we wouldn't have done, and engaged with a lot of people that we wouldn't have engaged with. But we were like that, um, particularly at the very start of the Eden project. Um, so, and then and then other people who, you know, like some of the um, people on the team were really good at making like cakes and things like that. Were really good cooks. I'm not a bad cook, but I'm nowhere near as good as some of what the others were. And then someone else who's a really good listener or, you know, all of us together make a difference and you can't do it alone. Like we can't, you know, Jesus sent out the disciples in twos. You know, I would say two isn't enough in our context because our context is quite a little bit different maybe. I think we need more than two of us. Two's good, but I think you need more than that. (laughs) absolutely yeah i think it's great like you know using people's different gifts and personalities and the whole body of christ just you know works together yeah Yeah. it's interesting what you said about that guy about what do you say about him sort of eventually you go there and you go to stay and you'll even go to die yeah isn't that interesting because that's really the pattern that jesus showed and again going back to the philippians 2 it actually finishes by you know he being found in human form, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Mm. Um, There you go. Yeah. There you go. Might not be a physical death, might be death to your, um, I don't know, your hang-ups and outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. 
So definitely challenging stuff, Jesus, you know, but sounds like life to the full to me, but <laughs> maybe that's just oh, me. Oh, yeah, I would not. I'm so thankful, you know. One of the things I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of gave me before I even started was like, you're going to meet your wife when you do. And I was like, okay. So that's kind of cool. You did meet and, your wife, uh, yeah. And I did. And it happened. <laughs> and it was amazing. And now I'm in America, and that's kind of crazy. But, the, you know, our discipleship and our walk with God is an adventure. And as we step out, he leads us to the most unexpected and strangest mm. places that can blow our minds. Which, and it's amazing, and I'm so thankful. Yeah, so for we sure. Baby steps, yeah. Um, just don't don't stay stagnated and don't just keep God's love to yourself. Because at the end of the day, if all you do is, I think that's where we're where we're in difficulty, really. You keep the love of God to yourself on an individual level. Churches start doing that. You're just going to stagnate, and it's not going to make any difference in the world, which is kind of depressing. But again, as I said, the kingdom of God is always increasing. So we just have to find out where God's involved and get involved with it, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's just they're they're doing in uh, in South America and Africa. That's where that's where uh, the center of Christianity is because they're they're doing it. They're they're willing they're willing they're willing to go beyond mission. So I think there's a lot we can learn from. Uh, the uh you know often we have all the answers here in america and the in the christian church but uh i think they've got a lot to teach us and hopefully they send us some missionaries as well very humbled by what's going around the the globe but you're right christianity is spreading all over the place it's, you know it might not be here yet in america it's a yet in america because i believe that god will do something great but well it's the yeast isn't it you can't like Jesus said, the yeast in the dough causes the bread to rise. You can't see it, but it's still rising. You know, it's still doing its work. Um, but yeah, and at the same time, as the good stuff's going on, you've also got bad stuff, and it's this paradox that you, this tension that you have to live with it. And I would say that's something that all of us as disciples have to really learn to be able to do is to be able to, like, so part of Eden was living, you know, living in this neighborhood that had a lot of real challenges. Mm. But in the midst of that, there was a lot of really amazing breakthroughs. So it was like this seesaw effect, but it was a tension and it wasn't comfortable, but God was with us in it. And I would say that every single one of us um, in the world we live in, and living in both, you know, living as children of God and in the kingdom of God, but also living in the culture that is... Um, feels separate from that, feels very different from that, which what we what we read about in the Bible. So you've got this tension, and why do they, they say it's a now and not yet? But as we, like, step out, like, we see God's kingdom come in, like, beautiful ways. One of the most beautiful verses I feel like God really gave me, kind of my life verse, really, is that he's going to turn the wastelands of my life into a beautiful garden, and the joy of Thanksgiving will be there. That, to me, I think God gave me that before I started Eden, and it could, it's those sort of verses, I would encourage people, write down the verses that stand out to you, write down the words that people give you, because they'll carry you through the most challenging of circumstances. You know, as you, as you carry those words, they become mm. living words, and God breathes life on them. Yeah. And it's like, for me, that, so what that encourages me is it's like, we'll step outside. Like, for me now, like, when I moved to America, 
for me, that was quite outside my comfort zone because I didn't really know what it would be like and then some of the processes that I had to go through. It's a very different challenge to the challenge of Eden. But it's this thing of, of being outside your comfort zone. And I know now I'm not really too worried about stepping into situations that are a bit risky or a bit scary because I know that as I do that, one, I grow, one, I grow in my work with God, but also God promises that those wastelands that I step into or those challenging circumstances will be transformed. And so it makes things it makes things so much more fun because you don't have to be afraid of any circumstance. There's nothing you need to be afraid of because you God's got you basically. Mm. So I mean, I think that's one of the things I'm learning about missions. Like, and through Eden, I think I learned that was that there's no circumstance that's too hard. Absolutely, or that's too challenging, and it's 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 kind of exciting. Incarnation. Jesus moved in the neighborhood. You are in a neighborhood. Go, but stay and be uncomfortable. Get out there, build yeah. some relationships. So, yeah. Andy, we are all out of time, but brother, I'm going to have to have you on again. Like you're like a, a fountain of knowledge. You just, I mean, can you, can you feel the fire of the, the Holy Spirit? I think rising up. Here we go. So. I hope uh, I hope uh, some of our listeners uh, catch that passion, man. And uh, yeah, I hope that you know you catch the passion of mission. Our our the United States and the world, America, everybody needs it, man. Yeah, we need we absolutely. need to get, get a part of go live the life to the full. Go get uncomfortable. It's bo- yeah. it's boring just going to church and then going and then going to lunch afterwards. So there's more to life yeah. than that. Absolutely. So. Absolutely, brother. Um, well, thanks, thanks again. John. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really fun and a lot of fun doing the podcast with you. I know. I, I need, appreciate that. I think we need to do this more often, brother. I really appreciate your time. Andy Bacon, thanks, you want to sign right, out? You, All right. Love you, buddy. Well, that wraps up another great podcast. Remember, if you have any questions about today's podcast, please email me at j-o-n-h-u-n-t-e-r at churchdoctor.com. I would love to hear from you. Have a great week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Big Church, Small Church Podcast, a Church Doctor Ministries production. To download the show notes, go to thesendmovement.com. For questions, coaching, or other network opportunities, contact John Hunter at j-o-n-h-u-n-t-e-r at churchdoctor.org. If you've liked this episode, please give a review, subscribe, and share it on your social media platforms. 